And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 389 of This Old Marketing for Friday, August 18th, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, a guy who's as confused as anybody about whether the Browns are actually going to be good this year, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Come on in here. I'm feeling good about the season this year for the Browns because... I'm not feeling good about the Browns, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. You Well, you said this last year where you were going to stop going to games because the games when, that you didn't go to, they actually won. Uh, yeah, I'm f- so if you were asking me, like, what if we ever do a prediction show? Like, I think they're <laughs> yeah, going to. So, those are so rare for us. <laughs> I th- if, <laughs> we might have one soon. Yeah. Um, if I was going to predict the Cleveland Browns season right now, I would say eight and nine. Now, what if what, what and, and is that good? I mean, that's, no, it's ter- that's not good. That's not expectation. That's why I'm feeling because I'm feeling so negative about the season. That's generally a good sign because when I'm really down on the Browns, they tend to perform well. So I'm okay. like really going negative. Uh, and eight and nine, by the way, that's you do you. I mean, that's I think that's one way to go about it. <laughs> Historically, that's pretty good, though. Like eight. Well, historically for the Browns, Browns, that's that's a great season. Would be upper echelon (laughs) type record for them. Um, But I have to say, if you were to just to look at the team on paper, and of course we do that a lot in Cleveland, of course, you would have to say they have enough talent to win. They have enough talent to make the playoffs this year. They certainly have enough talent to take that division. They absolutely have enough talent to take that division. And they and they should. They should at least be competitive with uh with Cincinnati this year. Oh but sure. Yes. Whether or not they can win I guess so here's my take with uh coach Stefanski. I don't know if he has taught the team or what has to happen for them to believe that in the last moments of the game that they can win. Because it's always close, as as most NFL games are. Like That's you right. go into the fourth quarter, it's generally within most games are within a score or two. Yeah. But the Browns, for some reason, seem to be just short all the time for the last 30 years. <laughs> just a little short. Yeah. As opposed to the so Cowboys. So much so that you actually have names for the plays. I, I You oh, were telling geez, me this when yeah. I ba- visited you last. It's like, that's how oh, you know. This, the fourth down or the, you know, you have the, the names fumble. for the, all the plays. Yeah. Yeah. Red, right. 88. Like we have all, <laughs> we have all the, and they're, they're never, they're never positive plays. Right. Yeah. They're always, they're always negative. See, I'm posing to like the Cowboys. I want to get your take on that, but historically the Cowboys have, you know, been, been equal on paper, but they always find a way to win in the end. Maybe not. Well, the past they few years, do. But, do so he, but yeah, historically the, they have. That's right. Well, the story about the Cowboys is of course, they, they find a way to win in the regular season. They always have yeah. good, if not always winning seasons um, and then get into the playoffs and fold like paper. I mean, they just, you know, they, that's, that's their, that's, that's the story of them is for the last 20 years. They've, you know, they've had, 
even or you know a, a average or better than average records and taking the division some years not taking the division some years not, you know done very well mm-hmm. you know 12 and 3 or you know whatever it is and 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 then get into the playoffs and then fold immediately just like crumble yeah. and and so that's the that's the, so the question is because they're of course coming in with all kinds of hype from last year and with their very good offseason that they had with the free agent talent that they acquired and all of that there's a lot of hype around them which I'm kind of bummed about yeah you don't want hype have. you want it no below no, the I radar don't. is That's always right. better that's right. That's right. So that's why it's better for the Browns this year because Deshaun Watson isn't in the news every day like he was last year. Mm. I mean, he's just sort of like, oh, what will Deshaun do? But you know, here so here's the two things I want to bring. I want to get your take on. Okay, or at least sure. yeah. at yeah. least vent. I'm gonna yes. vent. <laughs> I've been a, a Brown season ticket holder for a long, long time, as you know. Yes. There there's two things I don't understand about the current situation of the Browns. One is they right now have two of the top 10 running backs. You know, I think people would agree with Kareem Hunt and Chubb. Two of the yeah. best. Chubb might be the best running back in the league. We might don't be. know, but yep. but right up there, right? Yeah. Why do, why can't you play both at the same time? Why why is that a bad thing? Why <clears throat> why why yeah. won't they do that? Do you have yeah. an answer for this? I I do not have an answer for you because I would absolutely think that they would do some uh some of those interesting i mean look the cowboys do it all the did it i don't know if they'll do it this year but they did it all the time with the zeke and tony pollard right and that's how tony pollard like really you know busted out that's right i was one of the better running backs in the league that's right give him chances kareem hunt we already know what he can do this is why like if you why don't you put all your best players on the field at the same time what are we saving it for yeah like is it so anyways, that's the thing. And I, I go to games and I don't understand. I see Kareem Hunt on the bench and then, then they switch. They just, they relieve each other. That's right. Why? Yeah. Why? We're on the field so few times as it is. They can't be that tired. Like put well, you could scheme for it too. You know, you could scheme for it because that's what, that's one of the things that I think the Cowboys had did, did very well last year was they schemed for, uh, you know, they would, for example, and this is too simplistic, but, but just for example, they would put in. Zeke, uh, when it was a pass play, because he was much better at pass blocking, but could also be a good decoy for a run or a a screen or something like that. And when it was clearly going to be a running play, because Pollard just not that great at pass blocking, they would they would you know they would hand it off to him. So they would. It wasn't a relief situation. It wasn't a you know. It was basically a a based on the the play scheme that they would that they would put in one over the other. And by the way, for our friends uh, who are not football fans, Zeke is Ezekiel Elliott. That's right. Yes, Pollard right. is Tony Pollard. That's Everyone right. we're talking about are running backs. That's and right. this is the National Football League. That just, is correct. Just that is putting correct. it out there. So because I we always get complaints from, would you just like, why well, do I have to forward to 12 minutes? But it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is that time of year. It is. Well, that time you, of year. you don't want you don't listen to Smartless podcast, but I know you know what it is, right? I do. OK, well. Sean Hayes, sister Tracy. So whenever they're talking about something that's sort of inside baseball, yeah, they they say, "Oh, for my sister Tracy," and they explain it. So we don't like we need a we need to Tracy? have somebody like not you know not, I'm not going to say like my sister Leah. But, I mean, I guess I could, but she doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter. But if we had a listener that didn't understand anything about marketing, content marketing, creation, or the NFL, we could say this is for. Oh, I like Yolanda. That. We should have so. Or, 
or so Jimmy. Let's put it, well, or, let's put it out there. I would like a volunteer from the audience, okay. please. Yeah. That doesn't understand anything about football. Go to the or website. Anything else we're talking about. Leave us a voicemail about all of the facts that you're devoid of and let and, us know. And you will become our sister, Leah. You will become our sister, or or or, or yeah, brother, or, or, brother or brother Leon, or whatever. Right? Doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter? It doesn't we matter. don't care. We don't care. Uh, but it, it would be matter. it right. would be great. Cousin, cousin. Cu yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Third, yeah, third third cousin out of state. No, that's that's a check. Yeah, third party that's out right. of state check. Uh, very quickly, are you watching the uh, okay. the Hard Knocks? Okay, yeah, I want to ask you about it because I haven't been, but I have to. <clears throat> I have to get my second rant out. Oh, okay. Well, get the second. And this is a customer service thing. Okay. Maybe somebody can explain this to me. Again, been a Brown season hold, Cleveland Brown season holder for a long time. Yes. We have two tickets. My wife has a ticket and I have a ticket. And this year, <laughs> this year, okay. the season ticket holder gift yeah. is a jacket. It's a very nice jacket. It's like a spring or maybe even a winter jacket. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Having two season tickets, we get one. And so I, I got the note that, hey, we're so happy to have you back as a season ticket holder, Joe, plus one. Uh, you uh, get what's your what's the size of your jacket? Right. It's one account with two tickets, basically. And I yeah. said, I said, uh, that's great. But we have two season tickets, not just one. Are we to share a jacket? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does this work? And, <clears throat> and I said, and I got back to our rep and I said, look. I'm not complaining, but why? Right. There's two tickets. Why are you sending us one jacket? We're well, not the same one per size. Family. One per family is what they think. Did he say that? Did he say one per family? No, they they said, they said uh, I know you're not complaining. They sort of repeated what I said, because I said, I'm not complaining. <laughs> well, they did that for the recording. So, they did I said, that for the recording. The I, I said, can somebody yeah. explain this to me? I said, I just want to, and she, and she said, we will forward this on to management. Okay, thanks. So I just much. wanted to put that out there to <laughs> anyone who who has rewards programs, yeah. and if you have two people or three people or four people, yes. that's four things or three things or two things, not one right for everyone. Make it to make share. sense. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. so I've heard the nutso hard knocks stuff that's going on. You've watched it. What's going on? Is this all about Aaron Rodgers? Oh, yes. a new quarterback for the Jets. Like, oh, it's. And he is, he is, I mean, look, this is, a, this is, I think, somewhat of a rehabilitation uh, branding. Uh, it's like a issue. PR thing for, for Aaron totally. Rodgers. Because <clears throat> totally. He's been, because, yeah, he's. Because he's, of the vaccination stuff. And, all the stuff last year that he went yeah. through and the year before and, and all of that. And, you know. My wife hates him now. Like my wife used to go, "Oh, that's Aaron Rodgers. That guy's pretty good." Blah blah blah. And she, based on all the stuff that came out about him, she was like, "She hates. She can't stand." Well, him but just so we, okay, but so everybody knows, Aaron Rodgers was quarterback of the Green Bay Packers forever Correct. and ever. That's right. Future Hall of Famer, great quarterback, has now that's since right. gone to New York Jets and HBO's Hard Knocks, which features uh, an NFL team every year, is featuring the New York Jets this the Jets. year. That's right. Main character. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. That's is right. it working? Is the question. I, I think so. Oh, I, I definitely think it's working for him. I mean, he's he's chewing the scenery. I mean, he is just 
he's walking around, you know, he's like a little peacock with his little feathers out and he's just, he's just having the best time ever because I mean, everybody on the team is just like, Oh, it's Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is in our team. And Oh, it's, it's, it's a love fest for Aaron Rodgers on that show. So far, two episodes in it's a, it's a love fest to Aaron Rodgers and, and, you know, look, he's a great quarterback and all that, but just it's 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 a little like it's a little like okay, enough's enough. Well, I mean, good for the NFL and HBO for choosing the Jets this year because there actually is a story. I mean, sure. it's not really on those shows that that show's not about. Jets football. are going to be good, by the way. The Jets are going to be. I think they're going to be a good team. Yeah, they're going. They're, they're, I'm sorry. Did you say the Jets are going to be good? I that's did. Like the I, that's are a, that's be a bold good. prediction. That's a bold prediction. But I do. Okay, Robert says it here. I'm going to book. Jets are going to be good. I'm going to say seven and ten. That's what I'm going to say. No, Jets, they're going to have a winning record for sure. Jets seven and ten. Browns eight and nine. Cowboys. Mm, I'm going to go Cowboys. Let's see. What would it be? It would be. There's 17 games in a yeah, season. I know. I understand. I understand. I'm, I'm thinking 12 and 5. 12 and 5. All right. You can't see this. I'm going to throw this up there right here. This is yeah. 10 and 7. Oh, 10 and wow. 7. I wrote it down before you did, just so. Okay. 10 and 7, wild card. Okay. For All Dallas. Right. Okay. Browns, 8 and 9. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing happens. Okay. Again, oh my I'm god, just, yes. I want come on, yeah. What, how long? How it's they won <laughs> the the Browns won in '64. <laughs> it was the last, it was the last year before there was a Super Bowl. You gotta so, believe, man. It's a Cleveland, is it, is it Cleveland the Packers won. Town or whatever. I mean, in the history of, of of football, professional football, Cleveland Browns have been one of the more dominant teams, but nobody knows this because in the last 60 years, not much. Yeah. Not, not much has, yeah. has happened. All right. Let's 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 move on no, from football. I don't want to now I don't even want to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. I'm tearing up right here. This is I'm tearing. I'm, I'm devastated. I am I've given uh, my part of my life. Cry. I promised you, even when COVID happened, remember I said, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to focus on sports anymore. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I lied obviously. Cause my heart hurts. Yeah. I want this to happen. What kind of show do we have today? It's, it's not look, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull a, a, a movie quote for you right now. And it's basically Joe, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's, it's not your fault. It, you know what? If you if you talk if you <laughs> it's not if you talk if you talk to most Browns fans, they definitely internalize it. Yeah. I actually feel it is my fault. I feel and like I haven't done enough. Joe, it's not your fault. That's that's that's. I'm not gonna cry. That's You're not gonna make me cry. Uh, I'm the that's, a goodwill hunting, that's a goodwill okay. hunting reference for those of you. Who oh, I was saying, you know I, I what was um. I, I rolled that Goodwill Hunting reference right into Jerry Maguire, is what I did. Oh well, there's that too. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, so all right, let's get to our show. So sure. before people like just completely think this is an NFL show, it, um, it pretty much is. We are going to talk about some fun things today. There's some it, the the theme of the show is all about fake content, I think, um, because we're going to certainly uh, start off with uh, AI and how the a number of AI generated books are now flooding. Amazon, and we'll talk a little bit about what the implications of that might be. Then 
We'll talk about a meme that's going around TikTok and really all over social media about a movie that either was or wasn't, we don't know, and and how this might actually start to affect other areas that aren't necessarily as pop culture related. Then we'll also talk about what AI might mean to SEO and uh, really feature a Rand Fishkin uh, video and, and article that is quite good and informative about what we might be looking at when we look at Google search as in a world of AI and how we might start thinking about optimizing our content for that. Then we'll get to our rants and raves section, of course, and Joe is going to rave or provide some level of commentary about the documentary, This Changes Everything, which I've seen and and can also- You just watched it too, right? I did. I did just watch it. So we both just watched it. Okay. And then I'm going to rave about a new uh, survey research out from the Content Marketing Institute that I had a little bit of a hand in, and and, uh, just it's a fantastic and a, a very interesting research study and- um, just thought I'd bring it to everybody's attention because it's nice. uh, it's really it's really fascinating. It is good. where salaries and careers are in content marketing in this in this uh, this time of the world. So there you have it. There you have it. Down good, up, hot. What is August it? Show. What is it? What are careers? Are they going up? Are they down? Uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna fill us in. I think this. Yes, I'm gonna fill you in. But I think the spoiler alert is that there is a lot of freak out going on about AI right now, but generally speaking, I think there's an opportunity for businesses to really differentiate in this space with talent acquisition. And I think um, that's the next, I think that's that's my prediction for the next few quarters is talent acquisition is going to become the new differentiator for for content. And marketing. Ooh, I, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's jump into it, shall we? Uh, we are going to feature our first story, which is going to come to us courtesy of Axios. Uh, and Axios has the headline, AI-generated books are infiltrating online bookstores. The article opens up by saying, the book market is beginning to show cracks under new pressures from generative AI as the technology cuts a swath across creative industries. AI-generated pseudo-books are spamming Amazon and other online bookstores, sometimes borrowing real authors' names, and I can vouch for that. Um, Actually, I've seen some friends, uh, to squat on their virtual real estate. Meanwhile, the use of books in the training of AI firms' large language models remains hotly contested as authors seek to prevent unauthorized, uncompensated use of their work. Searches on Amazon estimated to control at least half of all U.S. book sales and an even bigger share of the growing ebook market are increasingly turning up mediocre AI-generated titles filled with unreliable information and soggy prose. The writer was happy with that uh, adjective. The article goes on to talk about some of the verticals, uh, travel, um, AI, um, those kinds of things that are, that are sort of more prone to this than others. What, what do you make of all of this? Well, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Is my first thought. Second thought is I'm not sure how large uh, online booksellers like Amazon, like even BNN, are going to be able to handle the amounts of fake books, if you will, whether they're AI generated or not. I mean, fake books have been a problem for a long time. As soon as, as soon as the internet was created, there were fake books. You and I have had weird books in our, you know, that we had to look at like, who did that? And what country is that coming sure. from? And all, yeah. we've seen it for a long, long time. But with the ease now of creating something that looks like a real book and then throwing somebody else's name on it. I mean, you, you add in all the, I mean, 
people already know listen to the show why why did i even go to get verified on on meta and instagram it's because of the number of fake accounts yeah that right. are out there so you have just fake accounts and and people that are going coming from that stance and then oh the ease where i can create a, a, a somewhat intelligent book from whatever large language model I'm pulling up from or GPT or whatever I'm using to do that. And boom, I, in a, in a matter of days, I can have 50 books from 50 top authors in 50 yeah. categories that look real. That's right. Um, and I mean, if you look at in the story from Axios, um, Jane Friedman, popular thought leader in the writing space, amazing writer in her own right, had this happen to her and, and to go to Amazon and Goodreads and to get this stuff taken off is not easy. And she no, even said the only right. reason yeah. she thinks that Amazon works so fast is because Jane is really well known in the industry. That's right. She's, she said, well, what do smaller authors do or more, you know, not as well known authors when this happens to them and it's going to happen. Like I, I'm under the, I'm, I'm trying to prepare when killing marketing or somebody comes out with something in your name or my name. Yeah. Like, what do we do about that? I, I think there's a real opportunity here for publishers. I really do. Um, including by the way, the recent uh, acquisitor of your little company, um, which is to start to certify and, and provide a level of good housekeeping seal of approval, as it were. I think that's a real opportunity for mainstream publishers and even the boutique publishers that help authors do this, um, because you could you could see that becoming sort of the 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 standard, right? Which is, if I'm going to look at a business book or if I'm going to look at any book, and it's not published by someone that I recognize um, as being a standard publisher, then I have to assume that it may be uh, a fake or a copy or or something like that. So I think there's a real mm -hmm. opportunity here. But I agree with you. I think this is not going away anytime soon, and it's not certainly not helpful for independent, smaller authors who have enjoyed some level of ability, right, to circumvent some of the. You know, we talked about this a couple of shows ago, where you know the 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 opportunity for authors these days was to circumvent some of the sort of more bureaucratic or challenges that mainstream publishers had. And democratized it to the effect where, yeah, you can put your own book out and sell a bit and basically make more make make some money off of it, right? This is, by the way, in the fiction and nonfiction space. And now with the AI sort of swarming the market, um, that's obviously. I think it's going to be a wave. You know, I think you're going to see a wave of it happen, and then it'll probably die down quite a bit because I'm not sure the business model is going to work very well. Flooding the market doesn't tend to, you know, and it does. It is some level of effort to do this, right? It's not like it's just you know three clicks and you're done. You actually have to go do some stuff to to put a book onto Amazon store. So I'm not sure that the business model of the swarming with that is going to really work. Um, it's a very. It's going to be a very hit or miss low percentage thing, but we'll see. I, you know, I, I, but I do think that it does provide an opportunity for companies um, that have uh, a level of trust and authenticity with the, with consumers to start to differentiate. Like if you don't see, you know, if you don't see McGraw Hill or if you don't see, uh, you know, uh, 
Lulu, or if you don't see, you know, whoever it is on as the, you know, as a partner here, then you can't be sure it's not fake kind of campaign. Well, um, to, to your point, I mean, one of the reasons why we're trying to work out our, our tilt publishing model is to sell direct. Yeah. The, the benefits of selling, <clears throat> like, a, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be in pitch mode here, but I'm yeah, just, this yeah, is yeah. the way that I've always felt. The benefits of selling on Amazon uh, were, were significant a decade ago and are not so much anymore. There's, so you lose, you don't get any customer data that buys that. But in, in, in this kind of situation, if I want to differentiate myself and I have built a brand, I have an audience, I'm selling direct. I want to sell direct from my site. It's very hard for somebody to come in and say, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and and totally copy Joe Polizzi's site and everything that has to do with Joe and Joe. I can't, you know, what are they going to do to Joe Polizzi dot something else? Then I'm going to fake the books. It's, it's a much harder proposition for somebody to come in than just say, hey, if I'm Joe Polizzi and I have a book, go to JoePolizzi.com. I'm going to sell yeah. direct. I get that data. I get that revenue. I don't have to go through that other step of Amazon where it's much easier for somebody to go ahead and fake being you. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, and I so don't know how much that- of a, yeah, I don't know how much of a competitive differentiator that is, but I, whereas well, like, in the like 10 years ago, I told you, like, I don't know if I would have gone direct today. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm losing excuses for why I would go through Amazon. Now, if you have your own audience built and you generate more money and you get all the data, why do, why do I want to go through that step of, of basically saying, I want to be where all my competition is. And I have a tougher time proving that it's really me. Yeah, that's a great, well, that's a great point. It really is because what that would suggest is, is that it's an Amazon's best interest, depending on how much they really care about books um which is arguable uh, yeah, but but true. but um but depending on how much they do care about books it's in their best interest to fix this right to 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 make sure that it's 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 something because if it starts to ruin the marketplace basically if the if the you know if swarming the marketplace with bad or uh copied or challenged product is going to spoil the marketplace for consumers well, then they'll just go elsewhere. They'll just stop buying books on Amazon, and and then and then going direct or going to some other competitor who who can actually you know do that is going to be is going to be much easier. So it, I think that, that's a really interesting point. I'm under the assumption that Amazon will find a fix for this, but yeah. it is beyond me right now that Amazon doesn't have a process for verification that you well, can just go up and right? say yeah. I'm Jane Friedman. And there's your book. Yes. I'm like, what, what, where's the extra step? And thankfully you have meta and some other folks out there that are saying, ah, I need, you need to verify. You need to show me a government ID and you do it securely. It's a kind of a, you know, it is, it is not the easiest process, but it should be at least that for putting a book up online. And that's another great point, which is, I mean, and I can speak personally to this, the Amazon author services, aspect of what they do is janky. I mean, that is an official quote. It is janky. It, it is broken beyond, you know, it just, the, the amount of, uh, the amount of how, first of all, how easy it is to associate anybody's name with a book to, to, you know, as an author. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, 
managing your own profile, there's no verification. It's like they never asked me who I was or to prove who I was. They just said, oh, did you write this book? And I said, yeah, I did. Here, give me an email address and boom, you're in. And now I'm associated with that book. And, you know, I'm an honest person. So I actually claimed the books that I actually wrote. So uh, and, and thankfully, I will tell you, that's one of the nice things about what the publisher did for me this time was I didn't even have to think about that, right? They just, as they put my book out on Amazon and all the other places, they take care of all that, right? They take care of associating with my name and they put it in the thing and they, you know, they've got special uh, uh, of relationships there. And it's just harder. It's just harder if you're an independent author, author to do that because, and to your point, if that would, that would solve everything, right? Pretty much. If you just verified authors, just verified who you, you have to prove who you are. Um, like, and it's so funny that that's really coming down to so many of what we're dealing with in social media and in, you know, traditional media and with where we are with so many different things, crypto and banking and yep. finance and just about everything that we're doing online. It is literally about just proving that you are who you are, verifying who you are, who you are, because it solves so many of the issues that we're having today. It, and like, you know, I get tend to go overboard with this stuff, but even financially, I'm like, because I look at any of the things that could happen digitally, like, okay, let's, let's look at AI worst case scenarios. And you think about whatever. And I'm like, well, I want to, I want to verify that those funds are mine. And what happens if TD Ameritrade or whatever, Schwab, yeah, something happens to them and like, I don't have access to that account, but that's mine. And what, you know, those, those are the types of things just that you know i i'm a little concerned i, I get yeah. a little concerned no, no, about it's, that. It's, i want to know good. that well I, and i'll say that you know uh, so i'm a td ameritrade was a td ameritrade customer and now, now it's becoming schwab, schwab. Yeah. and i thought they handled it brilliantly i thought this this, this the this, transition this, the transition over which happened in may of this year or whatever and here's the way it's going to work and here's how it's associated and here's what you're going to have and here's the, you know here's what you have to do and i thought they did it very well i thought they did it very very well <clears throat> so that form of error, I mean, how many things that we had to have to show and prove that we're us, I think Amazon's going to have to go exactly into that direction for authors. Yep. I think that um, for content, as, as, and they, do for, yeah. they yeah. do for sellers. Yeah, they do they for do, sellers. Right? They, they yeah. just need to take the seller. I don't, I mean, I'm sure they're already doing this. I don't want to discount. There's a lot of smart people at Amazon, but in looking at some of these stories from the article, and from what Jane was talking about, it boggles my mind that this is allowed to happen. Right. And so if they don't come up with a fix soon, it's going to be a big, big problem. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of fake content uh, and those kinds of things, this is a story that just absolutely fascinated me when you sent it over. Uh, uh, yeah, courtesy of, all, of Todd. Todd M. sent this uh, over to I us, just, and I was like blown away you, by Todd. this. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Yeah. This is just really fascinating. Um, and I'm a TikTok fan. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty heavy consumer, but I have not seen anything about this. Um, the headline is, I can't find anything about this movie. Why are people talking about a fake 1987 horror film on TikTok? Uh, Zapatha... A 1987 horror movie and TikTok movie. Are referencing it, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, it was all started. It's a fake movie. It doesn't ever exist, but it was started by talked about by an 18 year old musician, Emily Jeffrey, who posted a video about it on an August 12th. So this is literally uh, seven days ago. Um, 
It's crazy how quickly this happened. It's amazing how fast this has happened. Supposed to be a horror movie from the 80s. uh, And TikTok user Emily Jeffrey posted over the weekend about coming up with a new bit, quote unquote, where TikTok users comment references to this movie, Zapatha, on other people's videos. Together we'll witness lore develop, main characters will emerge. We can convince thousands of people that this weirdly titled 80s horror film actually exists. And they did. Um, the video now has over 6 million views, and Jeffrey has since posted follow-ups, including ones that play along with the bit, like pretending people tell her she looks like the main character, even filming it in front of a fake Wikipedia page. Uh, and thousands of people took to Jeffrey's initial instructions, and they took it seriously and started commenting on other people's videos. Um, Alyssa McKay, apparently, is an influencer, and she's got more than 10 million followers, filmed a video asking her audience what the movie was about because she kept getting comments about it. And so they've created this mythology around a movie that didn't exist, uh, and basically, yeah. you've it's 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 amazing. Before we jump into this, I, I want to say, and I, I don't mean to, I don't mean this is how it's going to sound like to puff out my chest or anything, but I actually had this idea um, back in two thousand and four. I was going to create. Because when I was in when when I was in 2004, I was still creating a lot of music, um, and doing music for, you know, it was kind of a side hustle for me. I was doing some music for films and for you know TV shows and stuff like that, and I would occasionally get something picked up. And I was actually going to create a fake band. I was going to create this fake band and and do and do pictures of them and uh, create this website and create this whole mythology around this band. Uh, and basically market the band and, and with my music and see if I could make it a thing. So, I, first of all, I love this idea for because it, it was something that I had thought about, but they obviously took it to a much deeper level. And I think the implications of this are, are so big. Um, but uh, anyway, get, I'll get your take on this. What did you, what did you think about this? Well, the, well... I guess when I saw it, I was surprised that it doesn't happen more often was my first thought. And I guess it does. I mean, if you want to know how some of the conspiracy theories that we're oh, dealing sure. with it, in the world have happened, yeah, this I is mean, how they start. That's right. Somebody this is just a more some, innocent version of, of yeah. you know, uh, of, 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 it's a more innocent and sort of wholesome version of, you know, all of the conspiracy theories that are out there about, you know, drinking the blood of children and all that stuff. Yeah, and pizza place and the whole right, thing. Yeah, exactly. like if all you, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have uh, a certain group of people with, with influence that uh, that can communicate a message and then those tell them to communicate and like that's exactly hey, user my followers this is what I want you to spread. And they all did it. They yep. were all commenting on everybody else's feeds to enough where you had other TikTokers that were like, what is this going on? And everybody looks into it. It becomes a thing. Yeah. And, and of course it, this happened in two or three days and it it's just amazing how fast it's happened. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's concerning because uh, I mean, we, we, how many we, we talked about, in the day, you had three or four main news channels. You had a couple main papers, but uh, even your local papers took their big news from the larger entities and Associated Press. Well, now you can create realities 70,000 different ways or more. And each of those little media companies have their own audiences. And then you start questioning, what's the truth? Add in a little AI to this? 
Well, here's the nobody's so, going to know what the truth is. Well, and here's the yeah. Here's so here's the thing. I my first thing that I did was ah, I got to go ask ChatGPT and Bard what they think about this. So I went to both. I went to both ChatGPT and Bard, and I asked, "Tell me, tell me about the plot of Zapatha." Oh, I, what did it say? And it, it both of them, thank goodness, came back with. Zapatha is a fake movie that it was created with a meme, blah, 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 blah. Oh, it even had it up to date. I'm yeah. surprised it even yes. knew. Yes. Now, I okay. used, I didn't use the uh, uh, short rant here. Um, so I didn't use ChatGPT direct. I, I have a, um, uh, this is not an endorsement, but, but you have a it, pro is, account a, it is a good tool. It is a good tool. Um, I will say that. I use a, a, a tool called copy.ai. Um, and so it's been useful for me as a sort of interface into chat GPT and it's got some things I can save and it's good and all that. But again, I get nothing from that. Just saying it as a fact. Um, and so I use that. So I think it's got some capabilities that just the general chat GPT doesn't, uh, in terms of being more current. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, but Bard is actually searching now the web. It's got an index to it. So it's, it's it, chat GPT or excuse me, Bard is, is more up to date, but both of them, Came back very with perfectly. Basically explained the meme, explained it. You know, had sources for it. You know, all that kind wow. of stuff. So I'm were they I was real sources or were they fake sources? No, no. Well, they were they were sources to the articles about the about the you know. About I love the fact some of the results meme, they you know. come back. They like their sources made up sources. Yes, like, we've I have seen that too. Like that, I have definitely so. seen that as well. This but, is um, this is crazy. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I'm sure this will happen more and more, but. Especially now that this took off, you got you had the idea. Emily here, she goes and executes it. You're going to have somebody else do the same thing with something else. So maybe yeah. now is time to get your your band thing going. Well, it, it also yeah, it's very funny. I, it, uh, the I, the funny thing is, is that I actually thought about that again. It made it made me think about it again. Um, but it, it reminds me very much. It, you know, there's a similar, it's a corollary. It's not exactly the same, but there's a corollary. Are you familiar with the uh, Michaela, the social media influencer that is no. actually a, uh, uh, so Michaela is a, uh, a, a, uh, an AI created image. Uh, oh, basically. I know what you're talking about. So sure. yeah. And, uh, you know, Michaela is a model and, and a personality and basically posts on Instagram and has, I don't know, last I checked millions of followers. Um, and basically, you know, dresses in cute clothes and sort of, you know, does and basically everything a fashion model would do, but it's completely made up. It's a, it's a completely made up personality of, of, uh, made by, made by, a, uh, artificial intelligence. So it's kind of like that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the, in the sort of made up personalities and made up quote unquote celebrities, um, that are going to, that are going to start to rise in some level of popularity, to your great point last week when you said, yeah, but there's a human behind it. There's going to be humans behind all of this because it takes a human to, to create those things. So it's just a, for now, a, for yeah, now it does. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's ultimately, it's always going to be a human at the root of all of this, but, but um, you know, it's, it's, it will be very interesting to watch this space over the coming months uh, and years to see what starts to resonate. Um, because it's it is going to get really interesting with sort of the uh, the the ability to create fake is not the right word, but it's basically creating artificial celebrity 
Um, and I think it's just going to be a, a fascinating thing. So we, we didn't plan to talk about this, but I don't know if you read the article in the Atlantic about Sam Altman. Uh, if you get a chance, I did. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, it's like, it took me like an hour and a half to read this thing. It's so, <laughs> yeah, of course I read slower than you do, but they moved up whatever. I forgot the organization that said we would get sentient uh, AI by 2050. And that was moved to 2024. But the thing that, Sam, that they were talking about in the article is the number of AI companies that were fully, that will be fully aut autonomous in the next couple of years. And it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Like you say, there's a human behind it. At some point, somebody makes a decision to start this thing, but they were saying, oh, you'd have, yeah, you're going to have basically everything will be run by some AI computer bot. All these decisions will be made, supply chain, marketing. And, and I'm thinking about this. I'm like, what? Well, first of all, I don't know how to feel about that. Second of all, I absolutely think this will happen. And third is what uh, what area of Wyoming am I going to buy land, and how deep do I build the hole? <laughs> is kind of the third thing that I was yeah. thinking. I, you so. know, I, I'm, <laughs> you're not there yet. Maybe I'm not. There I'm yet. going. I'm, down. I'm, yeah. I'm getting I'm, there. I'm, I'm getting not there. quite there yet. I mean, it's a little monster movie ish for me. But but uh, you know, I what I think. I don't. I mean, obviously they're very, very smart people and way smarter than me. And so they would probably know better. But I put on my sort of philosopher hat for a moment. And and and, and at the end, a, a company that is fully run by AI has to be assembled, right? I mean, it's not, it, you know, in other words, you have to decide on a product, you have to decide on a service, you have to decide on the way it's going to get sold, you have to do, you know, well, so that, all the all operations can all those all, things, I understand that a human being can start, but theoretically, all those other decisions, if you said, the the what's the mission? The mission of this thing is to be profitable or whatever, that whatever the mission is, then you let let it do its thing. I, and it, it will yeah, make those, I'm, I'm, it will make all those decisions. That's where I'm decisions. not there yet. I'm not there well, yet. Well, it's only- You and, have to give I, it the instruction to do the thing, right? Because otherwise, you've got- an octopus, right? You've got, you know, eight arms going eight different directions. So, and so, so do you, I don't know if you saw the example in this article, but it, it, was, it talked about they gave this uh, AI program instructions to do something and it had to go to a series of sites. And one of the sites then asked, are you a robot? And the AI answered no, like lied because had to lie in order to finish the project. Right. So already making decisions. So I'm like, okay, well, that, that happened quickly. But, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of it. And I guess the where I don't have frustration about it, but like I, when I talk about this stuff on LinkedIn, everyone goes to, we need an authentic human and you know, those people that are using AI or whatever they're doing. So, and I'm like, you're just talking about the next six months, people. Like, I don't think sure. we have a, we don't have a firm grasp and anybody who knows says they know they don't, they don't know. Well, I that's that's the, that's the concern. Is I was, I was is talking about yeah. So, yeah, this is moving so fast. We don't know yeah. what's I, I, going that, to happen. It, that was, that, that was something I said, uh, I was on a podcast yesterday and I, somebody asked me about that and I said, that's the, I think that that's the thing that really sort of irks me the most is how much now I see marketing talking about 
you know, marketing from companies and from consultants and from others who are saying, I'm a master of AI. We are the, you know, we're the experts in this. We can, we know exactly what's going on and you should trust us to tell you exactly what to do. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you've been an exact, you've been an expert in this for exactly seven months. So nobody knows. No, I talk, we're all I, figuring this out. Yeah. I talked to a, a, a CEO of an agency the other day. Pretty, pretty large agency, yeah. And they have a they have a director of AI, they have an AI council, they have all these things going. But clearly, he said to me, "He's like, uh, uh, we don't we don't have a clue. Right. Uh, nobody, do, anybody who says they know what's going on, they don't do not does not. They right. they do not know. So that I guess that's the point. And I guess I share your frustration with somebody that says, "Oh, this is the way it's going to be." Hey, you don't know. You don't know. You, you don't know. All the, the only thing that I know is that the majority of the AI scientists out there are also preppers. And you're so you're like, oh, there are. <laughs> what does that tells me a lot? That's all yes. I that's all I'm there saying. There you go. Well, that's well. That, and that's all you really need to know is the fact that the AI, the true AI academics and those that have been studying it for, you know, a decade. They're the first ones to tell you we don't know. Right, we, we, the, we, but they're also they also have their contingent plan of, yes, of exactly. buying, getting a bunker, yes. and buying lots of canned yes. food. Yes, the fact that so. they're worried is is worrisome. That's <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is that is absolutely yeah. true. Well, speaking of AI, <laughs> oh. on an up on an upbeat note, um, there is a fascinating new article uh, by uh, by Rand Fishkin, who both of us know. Um, Rand is a good guy. Um, and, uh, and we had dinner with Rand. Remember when we had dinner with Rand? We had a great dinner with yeah, Rand. Was, yeah. He, he, was, he it was so much, it was so interesting and he's such an interesting man. Um, and he was talking about, uh, in this article, he's talking about AI and search results. Um, and I like this article so much because it's nuanced, it's complex. Um, and even the face that he has in the video, it's like, just, it's like, really? What you What's talking about with us? That's exactly <laughs> As he says in the beginning of the article, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to look back at the days when a full one-third of Google searches result in a free click to open web and marvel at how good we had it. For the last few months, Google's been telegraphing that generative AI answers will soon appear in search results. These pieces of content will be drawn from training data, i.e. all of the web content you've worked hard to create, and amalgamated to produce user-satisfying answers, basically preventing searchers from clicking on anything that takes them out of Alphabet's properties. Will this spell the end of SEO or the end of the good times in search marketing? Maybe, he says, but I think it opens up an entirely new way to do marketing and search results. And he goes on to then, at great length, um, fantastically educational article uh, about talking about the ways that content can be started to be connected to each other and some of the ways that we might start to think about uh, the ways that we do link building, the, the ways that we uh, connect content to each other, and the kind of content that we might need to be able to create uh, in order to start to prepare for that kind of interface from, from Google and, and like-minded search engines. And so uh, it, was, uh, it was very eye-opening to me, and I loved, I, I loved it. Well, what did you think about this? Uh, I love it because it makes a really strong case for why somebody needs to position themselves as an right. expert in that thing. That's right. Uh, because he says they're not just pulling, they're not making the stuff up. So if you want to be the expert in what, like, I don't know if you do this all the time, but I'll go to chat GPT and I'll go to Bard and I'll go to other ones and I'll just say, you know, 
who are the experts in content marketing? Like what, who's driving the content marketing industry? And I'll do those things. And I want to look at the results to see what they're pulling it from. They're pulling it from books that people are writing. They're pulling it from podcasts that people are producing consistently. They're pulling it from blogs ongoing. They're pulling it from videos. So the, the, the generative AI results, if you will, that are going to come up in Google are coming from the amalgamation of the web around that topic. Yep. So it even makes a greater case for content marketing, if you yeah, will. That's right. And and having a strategy around certain areas of expertise. You know, it's it's funny because I actually, you know, and <laughs> because because it's always about me. Um, of course, it is. I actually, when it's wrote, not about me, it's about you. One of the reasons I like this article so much is because it, you know, it was one of those like. Whew, Somebody really smarts agree with what I said. Oh, I know. It's um, like, thank God. You know, and, and so I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago because it's what what struck me was the opportunity right now, and this is especially true, and this is what I wrote about uh, for CMI was the opportunity in B two B right now. And I, when I wrote about this, uh, the future of SEO and and AI together, I used the example because so many of our clients are really niche. B2B. And I use the example of uh, what's called containerized data centers, um, which I did a little work for a few years ago with a company and got to know that space really well as a result of it because they were figuring out their marketing and figuring out. And what containerized data centers are, are basically, uh, you know, think shipping containers, you know, the sort of Sure. Standardized shipping containers that are on big ships and on the back of trucks and all of that. And what they do is they build like literally computers and servers and stuff inside of those little uh, those 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 shipping containers. And what you can do then is they're portable, and you can stack them together like Lego bricks, and instantly have enterprise level data centers. So if you're building a hospital and you need a data center while you're building the hospital, you can stack that up in the parking lot while you build the hospital, and then, of course, move it in and build your data center in the hospital once it's built, so on and so forth. Those those are the use cases for it. Emergency, like if there's a hurricane, you can immediately ship down four of those container. Now you've got email and Wi-Fi and server space and all that stuff in a place that's been hit by a disaster, on and on and on. Those are the use cases for it. And the big companies sell it, Dell uh, and others that that sell this sort of solution. But it's really niche, right? It's a really niche thing. Here's the interesting thing. I was doing some research into that, and I asked ChatGPT and and many of the other artificial intelligence engines, I said, tell me about what's going on in the world of containerized data centers and help me write uh, a piece about this, do some research into this. And it came back with a really long set of, 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 of instructions. Only problem was it was about this other thing called containerized data. In other words, there's a whole thing in like Amazon Web Services and software mm-hmm. and the way that you set up your data infrastructure, much more modern, by the way, than these containerized data centers, that's called containerized data. And you've got solutions like Red Hat Linux and, and you know, Amazon Web Services and some others that are offer this sort of, it's a software problem, right? So you, what you do is you containerize in other words, your data so that it can be portable across different servers and clouds and all that kind of stuff. Completely different. It didn't okay. know the difference. And the reason that ChatGPT and artificial intelligence doesn't know the difference and gives you that weird search result when you start searching for it is because there's just not enough content to learn from. In other Got words, the con- and the content that's there it can learn from is the wrong content. 
So I was like, if you're a containerized data center or if you're an infrastructure service, you need to go out today and make sure that there's enough great, wonderful, amazing content that leads your industry because ultimately it's going to get it wrong if it goes out and tries to best it can come up with an answer and basically doesn't put the fact that containerized data and containerized data services are two different things. Yeah. And that's the fascinating opportunity, I think, in what uh, uh, what Rand is talking about here, which is you've got to make sure you've got a robust thought leadership, exceptional content program going on, because that's the only way you're going to be the answer that Google comes back with. It's so interesting you say that. I mean, when we when you and I talked about, hey, should we call this thing content marketing, right. uh, custom media was an uh, custom publishing and custom media were like other options and custom publishing was in a lot of cases was, was significant in book publishing and custom media was all over the map. There's a lot about animation and other things. And I'm like, you're confused. Like when you type in what is custom media, you get all these crazy results back as it's That's very, right. very difficult for us to educate an audience when there's confusion. So you're saying the same things going on. So in that case, you might say, look, we're, we're, we're smart marketers over here for containerized data solutions or whatever, contain, whatever it is. We might, it might be a smart decision to try to pivot the market in this direction. That was, and, and it's, so right? funny you, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's the other example I used in, the, in this article was because, so, it, so fascinating because when you and I had our first meeting in 2008, we were talking about, and I was, you know, I was all mad because you had taken content marketing and, you know, we're making a thing out of it. And I stalked you and I was like, I'm going to meet this guy and blah, blah, blah. Because on the market, you were coming at it from the custom media side, right? The custom content side from the publishing side. On the marketing side, you know what we were calling it in 2006 and 2007? We were calling it article marketing. And if you go back and look at the Google search trends for the word, the term article marketing uh, in 2005, 2006, 2007, you'll find that it has more search traffic than inbound marketing or content marketing. I bet, yeah. And then it was inbound and content marketing that really took took off because, well, you on one side and HubSpot on the other, um, and we started to make it a thing. And it's just that's the key is if you're trying to create a thing around your category, creating that content is the is the way to do that. See, so it's so simple. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Why everybody doesn't do it? <laughs> I don't know. It only yeah. took ten years. <laughs> it only yeah, and a it only lot of content to do it right. Exactly, yeah, but it but it absolutely works. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. This and and I guess that's what I love about this whole thing too is as uh, whatever data set or language models picking up all this, it's pulling it from hopefully real sources. Yes. And as Hopefully. a company, if you care about one of these things that's important to your business, you need to be involved and get behind this thing or somebody else will. And that's what it's really interesting what Rand talks about. It's like, hey, if you want to be found in these generous, your your company can be named and probably will be named if you're writing the book, doing the podcast, that's doing right. the video, doing the whole thing. So that's right. What interesting. Was, what was your, your your great quote? It was a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I quote this all the time. It's, it's uh, you said, you know, nobody strives to be the fifth best publication in the market. <laughs> uh, that, like, yeah, you know? that's the that's a, that was specific, that's back to magazines. It's like yeah. you don't nobody right. wants to be the fourth or fifth book in the market. Those are right. the first, yeah. those are the first right. ones to get cut. That's Why don't right. you just be the? Yeah. And the sometimes first. you just have to t you take it and move instead of oh, we're all having a conversation over here. Let's just right. move over here. That's exactly. We'll call right. it something a little bit different, a little bit smaller to start. 
But as it gains momentum and more people get behind that, that could be the big thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. Let us get to now our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us uh, tickled and feel like we're rooting for the Browns or crying or whatever it may be. Um, and by the way, before we get to that, I want to remind you that we've got all sorts of stuff on our YouTube channel, um, which is growing. Thank you very much. Loving the sort of traffic that we're getting over there, but also our thisoldmarketing.com website where you can get the access to the show notes. You can get access to the other 388 shows. You can get voicemail to us, and we do want you to volunteer. Come on, tell us, you know, what? Oh, yes. <laughs> tell us, this give week. us a voicemail. Do it. We, we would love that. And of course, story ideas. We'd love getting the story ideas via the email, via the voicemail, via your questions, all of that stuff, all in one central little place. And you can subscribe to Joe's Tilt newsletter. Um, and of course, our little experience advisors newsletter that we send out uh, every so often. And do all of that. And of course, hashtag us up on all of the social media at This Old Marketing. And uh, all right. So is it still called a hashtag on I don't know Zeter? I don't know if, if an X tag or I don't know on, on the tweeter. Yeah, uh, I, I call it Zeter. Zeter. Because everybody knows what you're talking about. Because if you yeah. say X, they don't really because everyone in, in all the articles it says X, formerly known as Twitter, like Prince. Yeah, it's uh, it's just like the way. symbol and whatever. It's just like let's just call it Zeter and we're done. I know what a Zeter is. Zeter. <laughs> I'm zeding on Zeter. Uh, I'm zeding on Zeter. All right, let's let's yeah. get to your what do you what do you what do you have to say about this documentary? Okay, so um, Laurel Milt, Miltner, wonderful, uh, commented on my LinkedIn post a week or so ago, uh, where I was talking about Barbie and gender disparity that's going on, and just an, you know, I I, don't, I loved Barbie because of the way it made fun of almost every category. But we did talk about, of course, uh, the you know whether or not that was a movie for women or for men or what gender or whatever the case is. So Laurel says, you've got to see the documentary. This changes everything. I didn't even hear about it because I'm in my bubble or whatever the case is. But this documentary came out in 2018. Um, sort of the main character is Gina Davis from Thelma and Louise and Tootsie fame and all, all sorts. But she's created an institute um, covering, you know, trying to, trying to make more people aware of what's going on specifically in Hollywood about gender disparity. From that standpoint, it's worth watching this. It's it's worth watching this just to be to have your eyes open to what's been going on for a long, long time. Why we are at in the place we're at with the content coming out of Hollywood and now into all the streaming networks. And you know, when you just do counting. That's what I thought was so interesting when they said, okay, let's just count the number of women directors in, you know, from, from 1980 on to 2005. And you say, oh, okay, there's been 1.4% of all movies that have had female directors. And you're like, yeah. whoa, like you, there is absolutely an issue here. And it, um, you know, you can watch the, the documentary to find it and draw your own conclusions about why that has happened. I know a lot of this was eye opening for me. But I guess my whole takeaway, Robert, and you and I have been through this a little bit, but this happened in content, you know, some of this has happened in the content marketing space, particularly content marketing world. And our friend Rand, I don't know if you remember this, but back in, I think it was 2013 or 14, we put in a process of 50-50 female male speakers. That's right. And we started counting specifically because... Um, 
<clears throat> and I'll, I'll say me, but in 2011, I had a lot of my friends that would speak at Content Marketing World. And a lot of your friends and most of our friends tended to be male and that tended to be most of the speakers. And I wasn't made aware of this until 2012. And I'm looking at, I'm like, oh my God, there are mostly male speakers here. Okay. So then we go to a to 2013, we start doing 50, 50. Well, the problem with that is that was our list of 50, 50 male, female. When you added in all the sponsor speakers, 95% right. of the sponsor speakers were male. So then it tipped the scales and Rand came back at us and said, Joe, look at your event. You're you're most you're sixty two percent male. What's what's going on with that? Because he actually counted all the speakers, and I'm like, no, we're fifty fifty. And then I realized, oh, when yes, when you do look at it, the point is, is if you run a business like this, you have to care, you have to notice, you have to count, you have to do these things, especially if you're coming at it from your own particular perspective or world, like I was coming at it. So my point is we all have to take responsibility for what's going on with this thing. And I think just doing some simple things is, hey, are are we looking at male and female applicants? Yep. Or are we looking at different racial backgrounds, which is always good for a business if you bring in from a different background. What I loved about what the documentary talked about was how when you had a female director, female writer, those types of things, generally they did really, really well financially. So you could never come back and say, oh, no, we're going to take a hit. It was never anything like that. It was just that people are making decisions like they always made them, the way they made them, why they made them, and it was ingrained into the entire system. I think we all have our systems that we need to get around, and that's all I would say. Watch it. It's eye-opening. Thanks, Laurel, for uh, for recommending it. I don't know if you have any additional takes on that, but that yeah, was I'm my takeaway and how I personalize it into my own finding speakers for content marketing world and how we always had to do a better job or needed to do a better job. Yeah. And they've, and, and, and honestly, they've done a fantastic job uh, over the last better. the better. Yeah. They've been yeah. getting better, better, it gets from better when, every when year I was involved. And, yeah, absolutely. And so I saw the, I saw the documentary a year and a half ago or something like that. Um, and, and watched it. And I think I agree with you. It's an important watch. Um, and Gina Davis has been doing this for years and years and years. Um, and, and in terms of her her efforts to to get more uh, gender equality in, in, into Hollywood. And it is really eye-opening. And, and what I found so eye-opening was, yes, the director thing was really interesting. But just looking at the characters in movies and the way that they're portrayed um, in so many classic movies, you know, where... And I think... Watching that, what it does for Barbie, uh, interestingly enough, is that it gives you it, it. It almost helps you get the joke, right? In other words, there are so many jokes in Barbie about that, about the male stereotype and the, uh, and and female stereotyping that has gone on forever in Hollywood, and the way that you know that you know sort of the alpha male and all of those sorts of things. You know, I mean, just even the the scene around the campfire where the, 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 I where know you all, love that scene where, where, where they're, they're singing, all, yeah, where they're all singing, they're all singing the same song, uh, they're all singing that same Matchbox Twenty song, and they're all doing it with this facial expression that you've just seen so many times in other movies, you know, and the and the and when I can't, I think it's actually. Uh, the Margot Robbie Barbie that says, you know, I'm going to sit here <laughs> and listen to you <laughs> sing it 40 times in a row and just be, you know, and just be completely wide open. And, uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's so great. The joke is so good because it's so accurate. 
And I think that's what uh, is really eye-opening about is a lot of this is that, you know, you for so long, and it's starting to change. It is starting, beginning to change, and they're, they're, they're doing better at it. Um, and some of this has to do with, you know, the marketing, and some of it has to do with the way that consumers purchase and that, you know, the culture more broadly. Um, and and so I, I think it's, 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 it's a really good sort of experience for you to have to sort of be able to to be conscious and aware of, of of everything just like you said for how it sort of applies in whatever business you're in yeah and i mean the thing that hits me i see it all the time where you'll see uh, a pa- marketing panel and it's four white guys yeah i'm like a mantle they call it yeah yeah i'm like i'm like come on this right. uh, who's not who's not thinking um i just don't understand it where we should we should be far better at this than we are that's right so yeah absolutely 100 what's right, what what what, what, what right. is your well you have a well, rave a, i would imagine it, it is a rave absolutely 100 um cmi for the second year in a row has done this career and salary outlook uh research uh and it's just really good it's just a really good piece um uh, uh our friend and, and family claire mcdermott helped put all this together um the report uh, for uh, us, and um, uh, it is it is just really good, and it goes through a number of things, and basically the headline, um, you know, more than just sort of the where people are and salaries, and that's always a really funky thing to do um, with with this kind of research because there's so many differences between, uh, you know, speaking of gender, speaking of region, speaking of urban versus suburban versus, you know, all the different kinds of disparities. It becomes a very complex set of research and statistical relevance certainly comes into play here. So broadly speaking, the study looks at things like salary and where people are in, in, in their jobs and those sorts of things. The more uh, salient piece, I think, is, and, 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 and the research this year went purposely into that, was sort of the impact of generative AI into content roles. And the headline is that there's a really interesting thing going on, which is right now, uh, content marketers in specific are really kind of freaked out um, at the moment. And I'm laying this right at the feet of the tools that are getting marketed out there um, about all of the fear, uncertainty, and, and, and all of that, that, are, that is, you know, automagically create, you know, all this and create all of that. And, and, and a lot of, I think, the toxic freakout right now that, that content marketers are having is because they're worried. They're, you know, they're, they're generally, the research found they're generally happy in their jobs, uh, but they're very worried. And by the way, they're very open to new, um, new opportunities from, from other companies. And that's where my head really went to. Like the big aha for me was how open content marketers are now to other, uh, other positions um, based on where they are in their own. And it's because there's a lack of career path. There are so many large businesses, and this includes the clients that we work with all of the time, so more of an anecdotal uh, data point than anything else. But there's no, you know, basically content marketers and big companies have one of three things they can do once they reach sort of that senior manager status, right? They, they can, one, go off into other some other part of marketing, right? They can go off to social media, they can go off to product, they can go off to comms, they can go off to something that's not content marketing. They can matriculate up, you know, through the the, the career ladder that's there. Or two, they can go to a corollary position at some other company and hope to do better. 
or three, they can break out and start their own consulting firm. That's kind of the three, only three options right now. And so my encouragement, and this is something I'm writing about right now that'll, that'll come out on CMI, is, is my encouragement is that there is an opportunity right now for businesses to create a formal career path for content as a strategic function in the business. We talk a lot about a documented strategy. We talk a lot about how content needs to be a strategy function in, in, in businesses today and how it needs to be more than just an on-demand vending machine of content from tactical executioners and all those kinds of things. What we don't talk a lot about and what I really want to encourage businesses to think about is how do you make that an actual career path for someone within the organization because talent acquisition in the next few years for those that are really good at harnessing a brand's voice into content and doing that across all the different areas, sales, marketing, comms, all of that is going to be a differentiator. And we've talked about it on this show, whether it's from search, whether it's from AI, whether it's from anything that you're looking at in terms of what's happening, automation that's happening right now with the the, the idea of content, the idea of having great talent at the core of how businesses use content to differentiate themselves in a marketplace is going to be key. And so the the best way to do that is to provide for the ability for people to stay with you, be great talent to stay and mm-hmm. grow and matriculate through the business to ultimately become the senior level managers in that business. And so the research is fantastic, uh, and to me, the career pathing is, is really the, the most interesting part of the findings, but also where content marketers are right now with their AI journey uh, and how one of the things that, it, that gave me great hope and heartened me, quite honestly, was the biggest value that content marketers seem to be getting right now is not in content creation, but rather in research and topics and some of the things that we were just talking about and using AI for that, and I think... I'm hoping that continues, and I'm hoping that really what we start to see is that AI is just a tool to expand the talent of our content marketers to do great things and hopefully harness it a bit better with a career path. So just a fantastic piece of research and just very insightful for me and hopefully for others. It's really good and really timely, and yeah. uh, it fits right in with my content marketing world presentation, actually, Ooh. which is uh, which is entitled how to properly quit your marketing job. There it is. So <laughs> I'm, is. I'm, I'm, yeah, that you mentioned three things. I'm, I'm squarely in the third camp. Okay. There you go. So there you have it. All right. I think there's a way to do that. But anyways, what's going on for you this week? Oh man. What is going on? Uh, we're in, in a week. Uh, <laughs> we have a, we have a very a special, vacation um we're going this is my wife's vacation we're going to nantucket oh nantucket's fun so yeah so um so next week is is get all the stuff done okay Uh, joe gets all the stuff done so we can go and i can put the out office on and do what we need to do in nantucket so i've never been there very much looking forward to it it's lovely it's wonderful it's a wonderful wonderful place yeah i cannot wait how about you what do you what do you got going on Uh, well it's interesting we so here we are in the latter part of august now and here in la we're expecting a hurricane yeah that's right wow Uh, yes that's right there is actually a hurricane crawling up the coast of mexico now by the time it gets to us it won't be a hurricane it might be a tropical storm but to, for us to get rain at all, much less a tropical storm at the end of August, is just weird. It's just very weird. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of next week are supposed to be like crazy rainy. 
Uh, and it's just everybody around here is just kind of going, what? You know, so, you know. Wow, um, so insert global warming and climate change message here, but yeah, it's just it's just so that'll uh, give you some time night. though on Saturday. You can install your rain barrel. There it is. So you can collect yeah, all that all water kinds of, that never comes. Everybody is LA. like, you know, I've never seen so many people be happy that we're getting a tropical storm, right? It's like it is it's a good thing. It's ultimately great. More rain is great for us. We will take it. We will absolutely. It sounds like a movie though. Uh, the Hollywood hurricane. Yeah, the Hollywood hurricane. Yeah, we'll comes. see. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. The weather people are besides themselves with oh, giddiness sure that they actually nuts. have something to report on. Yeah, Jeez. unbelievable. All right. all right. Yes. Well, fantastic. We will see you all again uh, next week with a, another wonderful brand new show. Until we see you next week, just remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on this old marketing. <laughs>